Looking at our world from a theological perspective, this is the Theology Central Podcast, making Theology Central. Good evening, everyone. It is Saturday, January the 6th, 2024. It is currently 8.14 p.m. Central Time, and I am coming to you live from the Theology Central studio located right here in Abilene, Texas. January the 6th, we are six days into our 2024 Sermons 2.0 Sermon Challenge, where you're supposed to be using the Sermons 2.0 app to choose random sermons, as random as possibly, and then listen. Remember, write them down in a notebook, write a little one-sentence summary, and then, of course, if you take notes, put them in the notebook. You're supposed to be working on all of that. Some of you have been emailing me, telling me the sermon that you have uh, listened to, and you've been telling me something about the sermon. I've greatly appreciated that. That's been awesome. But I'm going to be honest with you. It's Saturday, January the 6th, six days into the challenge. And you want to know something? At 8.15 p.m. on January the 6th, I have not listened to a random sermon for today. I am behind. I am way behind. Now, that's no one else's fault but mine. I I could have probably taken an opportunity at some point today, but I have not done so. Uh, I I just haven't. Anytime I've had a chance to listen to something, I've listened to other things other than a random sermon, some podcasts, some different things. I haven't a chance really to listen to a lot, but but I I, I, that's that's on me. And and I I tell you that because I, I it's just an obvious it's an obvious reality that the further this goes, right? I mean, we're only six days in. Can you imagine when we're one month in, two months in, three months in? People, I'm telling you, people are going to drop to the wayside. (laughs) They're going to drop to the wayside. But can you imagine if you don't? And we get to December of 2024, if we're all still here, December 2024. And I'm like, ladies and gentlemen, we're just three days away from finishing this challenge. Can you believe it? We've made it. That will be a big, that will be a big achievement. Now, what I hope, what I hope is when I get to December 2024, I am hoping I can say, not only did we make it, I don't know about you, I have been challenged and I have grown a lot. Now, I, I, I think in some ways, I cannot speak about your experience. That's, I think, a great thing about this. If, if we could get a lot of people to participate in this, it would be really awesome because everyone's experience is going to be radically different because we're all choosing random sermons. Mine has kind of fallen into a little bit of frustration. We had the whole music thing that just it felt like it was never going to go away. That was very frustrating. Then, But then at the same time, even though at times it's been frustrating, we've also kind of fallen, at least for me, into these kind of topics, these these issues that we can study, right? About the name of Jesus or pleading the blood. And then we've we've stumbled upon other issues like did did the high priest have a rope tied around his ankle and and other issues and you know <laughs> cognitive dissonance with with hey all technology is bad but hey make sure you grab the sermons 2.0 app to listen to my sermon okay like some of those things that we've discussed it's been some of it's been frustrating but there's also i mean it's been beneficial as well because it's caused me to think and to and to challenge and we've been we've been challenged about some of this and i'm and i am doing my very best i am doing this so far 
I am doing this so far. I am trying to use every single part of the sermon back to my original kind of, not my very first illustration in regards to all of this, but, you know, the idea of a buffalo that Native American tribes respected and reverenced the buffalo, and therefore they used every single part of it. They didn't want any of it to go to waste, and that we should reverence and respect the preaching of God's word so that we use every part of it. And so I'm trying to use, whether it's an introduction, whether it's an illustration, and hopefully you're seeing that, right? Because I keep turning on the microphone, maybe only using a small section of a sermon, but we're using it for something. So I hope it's going very well. Now for tomorrow, for anyone who listens to this tonight, tomorrow, what I would challenge you to do is use the Sermons 2.0 app. Use it to choose a random sermon, but the random sermon I would challenge you to choose is from the historical lectionary. So you can choose a random sermon for tomorrow. For those who don't know, tomorrow's the Epiphany of the Lord. It's a day that Epiphany is celebrated. Now, in some traditions, Epiphany lasts longer. Some days it's one day. Others, it's multiple days. We could get into all of the history of it. But the readings, and I've already sent them out. If you're using the Church One app, you've already received the readings. But the readings for tomorrow are Isaiah 60, 1 through 6. So sometime tomorrow, grab the app, or you can do it late tonight if you so desire. Early in the morning, whatever works for you. Tomorrow after church, whatever the case is, grab the Sermons 2.0 app, do a search for Isaiah chapter 60, grab a random sermon and listen. You can also do one on Ephesians chapter 3. You can also do one on Matthew chapter 2. So Isaiah 60, uh, Ephesians 3, and Matthew 2. Those are your options, okay? Um, Grab... Grab Just grab the app, do a search for those passages of scripture, and just pick a random sermon. And there you go. That will be for your challenge tomorrow for the Sermons 2.0 challenge. And we're also going to do that. Sometimes it's like, I'm not going to tell you anything. You're on your own. Some days I may specifically give you guidance on what to do. This we can, because it will add to, it will add to. Now, I guess technically... If you listen to me, and and, th- and I and I don't like to, I've tried to be careful in keeping me out of this. I've been trying to at a certain level, and when I say keep myself out of it, in other words, I'm not trying to drive you to my content. But if you listen to any of the sermons preached tomorrow by me at Victory Baptist Church, whether the Sunday school hour, Sunday morning, or Sunday night, if you listen to them live, or if you listen to them on demand. You can count them for your Sermons 2.0 challenge because, well, you're going to be listening to them on the Sermons 2.0 app or the Church One app. So um, that will count, and then you can write that down, and you can do what you want with it. So, And guess what? You're going to hear something in regards to those passages of Scripture and clearly about Epiphany, all right? First hour is going to be a little bit more history and concepts, maybe some of those Scriptures. I'd like to do a little work on Isaiah 60. And then the second hour is going to be Matthew chapter 2. And then Sunday night, I'm not for sure. We will see. We will We will see. Not 100% sure which direction I want to go. So that's your challenge. Now, I haven't listened to a sermon. So just a few minutes ago, well, more than a few minutes ago, it's probably been, it's, it's been over 20 minutes ago, I grabbed the, uh, well, I, in this case, I went to uh, beta.sermonaudio.com, went to the website. I went to sermons, I went to new sermons, I pulled down, and the very first one that popped up, 
I downloaded it and I loaded it here. And what was cool is I was the very first to download. I was the very first. Uh, it had it uh, just as of about ten minutes ago, fifteen minutes ago. It still only had one download, and that was from me. Okay, so I downloaded it. All right, first. So this is what we're going to be considering tonight. This is a sermon, supposedly, and I say supposedly because we have had this happen to us numerous times, where we think a sermon is about this topic due to the title, maybe even due to the description, and then we listen to it and we're like, that had literally zero to do with that text or with that subject, right? In fact, sometimes when the sermon is over, like, I know you were supposedly preaching on topic A or passage of scripture A, but by the time the sermon was over... I don't think you ever covered that. Sometimes that's frustrating. But supposedly, based off the title, this is all going to be about this idea of pursuing God. Pursuing God. When you hear that phrase, pursuing God, what comes to your mind? Now, I could immediately go into an entire discussion about pursuing God. I could. I could go into maybe the history of the term, how it's used in the Old Testament, New Testament passages about it, what it means, what it doesn't mean. I probably could just do so. I probably could just do 45 minutes of teaching on the concept because there's always so many sermons on this subject of pursuing God, pursuing God. I could be wrong, but I think if you open the Sermons 2.0 app right now and do a search for pursuing God, you're probably going to find hundreds, maybe even thousands of sermons on the subject. But the one I have chosen, again, at random, and just as a little while ago, there was only one download. In fact, let me look right now. Oh, there's been two downloads now. There's been two downloads now. All right. Three ways to know you are pursuing God. Three ways to know you are pursuing God. And it comes from 1 Corinthians chapter 3. So we're going to listen to some of this tonight. We're going to do our typical kind of like a review. Remember, I haven't listened to it yet. All right. So this is helping me fulfill part of my responsibility or my participation in the challenge. Of course, if you haven't listened to this, you know what I'm going to tell you to do. Go look for it right now and download it. Three ways to know you are pursuing God from Grandview Baptist Church. This was preached, it appears, on January the 31st, 2024. January the 31st, 2024. I don't think this was preached on January. Ladies and gentlemen, we are time traveling. We currently have a sermon <laughs> that is pre that was preached on January the 31st, 2024. See, you listen to this podcast because I bring you the sermons that haven't even been preached yet. Okay, now I'm assuming they meant January the 31st, 2023 is what I'm assuming. So they, they kind of messed that up, but that's okay. I can't even count how many typos are on my uh, information. So this was preached on Wednesday, January the 31st, 2023. It was a, they have a, the category is midweek service. It sounds like it was evening and the text was 1 Corinthians chapter three. They're going to give us three ways to know if you're pursuing God. So let me ask you the question then, right? Borrowing from this. Are you pursuing God? Honestly, do you feel you're pursuing him? 
If you were to say that you, if you were to answer that question in the affirmative and to say yes, if you were to grab a piece of paper right now, what would be the three ways, the three things you would write now that supposedly proves you're pursuing God? And could those three things actually not prove anything? And if you're not uh, pursuing God, well, this will give you three things I guess you need to do in order to pursue God. But here we go. Let's just jump in. I don't know how long we're going to go. You know, I'm not doing full-blown sermon reviews on these because we know sermon reviews take, if the sermon is, say, 40 minutes, that's about three to four hours of me broadcasting to do a, a, a sermon review. So this is kind of like... Just get us started and just, we, we, we don't, I look, I don't know what's going to happen. It could be good. It could be bad. I have no idea, right? Remember, that's the whole point, random. So I'm going to hear who knows what kind of perspective, who knows? Is it going to be Calvinistic? Is it going to be non-Calvinistic? Is it going to be Arminian? Is it going to be semi-Pelagian? Is it going to be um, lordship? Is it going to be non-lordship? What's it going to be? I don't know. Is it going to be um, dispensational type church or is it going to be covenant theology? Is it going to be reformed or non-reformed? I mean, I don't know. I don't know what we're getting ready to find out. Uh, I don't know, but we're going to discover together and we're going to go there. We're going to go to Grandview Baptist Church. Three ways to know you're pursuing God. Preached on Wednesday, January the 31st, 2024. I'm going to keep saying that because it's just funny that we're reviewing a future sermon today. I mean, come on. You can't listen to any other podcast that can accomplish that, right? Only I can accomplish. Okay, I'm joking. Here, we. Oh, and just just remind. Remember, when you're doing the sermon challenge this year, if you listen to a sermon and there is anything you like about it, if there's anything positive, please add a comment and give them some form of encouragement. I really mean that, right? Because right here, I'm looking at, you know, on the Sermons 2.0, it says add comment. Just add it. Anything positive you can say, that's a very encouraging, okay? Because because thus, those of us who put content on the internet, we, we get lots of negative. So that positive can balance it out. All right. So are you ready? Here we go. You guys put it into that, sure appreciate it. Uh, tonight we're going to be in 1 Corinthians. Uh, to start, we'll move around a little bit tonight. Um, if I did not get a chance to see you in person and wish you a Merry Christmas, I'd do that now. Of course, we were out of town for about 10 days, and so I'm a little bit late on that, but I apologize. Little Bear Bible Club. Little Bear Bible Club. They were going to mutiny. Wow. I can feel the rumblings. They're going to come and take over the pulpit here. I'm assuming he forgot to dismiss the Little Bear Bible Club. I, I, okay. I know this has nothing to do with the sermon, but I would love, okay, if you want to participate on this, because look, I know this may be twisted. I know this may be twisted. I know. But I'm just going to be honest with you. All right. I'm going to be honest with you. <laughs> I find. Some form of entertainment, some form of twisted pleasure in hearing, oh, I hate to say this, some of the ridiculous names churches come up with for like 
There are Sunday school classrooms, the, the, you know, I don't know, the golden seniors, the, I, I don't, I don't know, the, the powerful youth or whatever that, I, I don't, I don't even know some, but I see these things sometimes, like they'll call their youth group some name and it'll be like, you know, youth with a cause. <laughs> I don't know. It's just crazy things. And I just look at them like, who comes up with this stuff, right? Who comes up with it? And I, I remember like, uh, now sometimes it'll just be the seniors and that'll be like the older people. And sometimes it'll be like the singles, uh, the single Sunday school class. And sometimes it'll be the adult, young couple. Sometimes it's very generic and just descriptive. But sometimes people come up with these like names. So does your church use like the the Bible Bear <laughs> Bible Club? What Whatever whatever that is. The, the Bible Bear Club. Whatever that is. I guess it's for young kids. I don't know. Well, why do you have to give them a name like that? So does you... <laughs> Does your does your church have some name for like its youth group? It's it's uh, I don't know. Does it? And if it does, who came up with the name? Did y'all do this in a business meeting? Was the teacher? And what's the point of having the creative name? Is it for marketing? Do you market it? Do you like, hey, come to our church and your kids could be a part of the Bible Bear Bible Club? I mean, are are the Whatever he called it, like is, is do you use it for marketing? I want to know. I want to. I want to know how these names come because my thing would be. We have Sunday school, and those ages go here, and those age and there those ages go here, and most of everyone is in the sanctuary because, well, we don't really need to separate everyone for Sunday school, do we? Right? We don't. You just come into the sanctuary, and we'll just do Sunday school, right? I mean, you're teaching the Bible for Sunday school, right? Now, maybe younger kids, right? You give them the opportunity to have some more, you know, intensive study that is age appropriate. Some churches break people into like 50 categories. It's like people, seniors, anyone who's like 50 and over for divorced, for divorced and remarried, for single, for engaged, for young couples, for adults. And it's like, how many Sunday school classrooms do you need? And I don't know if that's done for the opportunity for more more people to teach. I I don't know. But if you come up with these cute little names, I just want to know them because I just, look, I won't say anything on the air. I won't say anything on the air about it. I promise you, I'll just sit, pour myself a Coke and just laugh because I find some of them just so like, Ooh, really? Or, or so the, the names for some of the small groups, it's just like, what? What is this? What, what? I don't get it. I don't get it. It's hilarious to me. Like, it would just be like small group. It would just be like Sunday school class for ages 10 to 14. Like, those, that's for the teenagers. Like, it would just be like, I wouldn't be like, we need a creative team for our mark. Like, is it, I want to know, is it for marketing or is it just like, well, it's just kind of cool. Like, I don't like, who thinks it's cool? Is it the older people in the church who thinks it's cool? Or is it the kids who think it's cool? Is it, maybe the kids actually think it's cool. I would be looking at it like, this is ridiculous, but I don't know. All right. So that just, I just made me think of that. I apologize. We, we want to get to pursuing God, right? Let's, let's continue. Let's continue. Had a great time at Christmas and uh, just getting back into the area this weekend and uh, enjoying getting to see some of you. Um, how many of you are planning to stay up late tonight? See the ball drop. Planning to stay up late? Okay, I've got a pro tip. Uh, New York, the ball drops at 9 p.m. our time. So our children will be staying up to watch the ball drop, but they will not know that it will be 9 p.m. 
uh, and it will be their bedtime at 9, and so they will watch the ball drop. Yay, the new year is here. Go to bed. Uh, that way their, uh, their sleep schedule does not get a little bit too out of whack. Any adults that are planning to go to bed after the 9 o'clock ball drop? That's me. My, my hand's up. That's the plan. I, I, this is, this is the second, this is the second sermon and my sermons 2.0 sermon challenge where I choose random sermons where the pastors seem to not be able to stay up till mid or they don't want to stay up till midnight. They, they don't want to, they don't want to, they're, they're going to go to bed at 9 PM. Who goes to bed at 9 PM? I don't think I even went to bed at 9 PM and 22 years in the, when I was in the military and had to be up at five in the morning. I don't think, okay, all right, that's, all right. So I, I, I there's a common theme here, I guess. I guess when you get, I, I don't know, I guess you go to bed super early. Okay, all right. So, all right. So he's going to get his kids to, to sleep, right? So this is what you do. Now, if we're breaking down a sermon, this is just the icebreaker. You're talk, talking about things people doing. Everybody's like laughing, affirming, shaking their head, laughing. Okay, breaking the ice. Okay, got you. All right. Now, at some point, he's going to do that. And I, I, I'm a, maybe he's going to turn this into an illustration, which will then set up his thesis for the sermon. All right, so here we go. Enjoy it. Go to sleep. Seen it before. All right. Um, as we come to the end of the year, of course, New Year's resolutions. Anybody have any New Year's resolutions? Plans for new, the new year? I've got goals and dreams and all those sorts of things. Not a lot. Did not see a lot of hands. Maybe you had yours. If you haven't made one, you still have about six hours, uh, six and a half hours. You can put those together while I'm preaching. Uh, so that might be a good, uh, good thing for you to do. As we kind of come to the end of the year, I think a, a common time of reflection um, as we look back on uh, a full year and what have we accomplished and what are the things that we have uh, worked through and done and what has God seen us do and, and used us to accomplish within a given year. And um, I cannot you know, speak to each of you individually and find out whether or not you have been successful based on your 2023 resolutions. Anybody remember any of those? Um, and hopefully maybe you kept all of your 2023 resolutions. Um, but as we look tonight at God's Word, I want to reflect on this thought of knowing that you were successful spiritually in 2023. And so I've got three tests tonight that we're going to take a look at from God's Word. Okay, so we're going to get to the test kind of concept. So, hey, have you made any New Year's resolutions? Okay, maybe you have, maybe you haven't. Hey, how did you do for the the years before? Now, I, it, I, I don't know. I still don't know where I fall in with the New Year's resolutions debate, some people are very pro resolutions because the argument is if you never, if you never resolve to do anything, if you never set goals, if you never, if you never shoot for a goal, you're never going to achieve it, right? But then I feel others do so and then they never do, they never accomplish it. I don't know. 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 But I know everyone usually, at least Christians, we typically start the year at least with some idea that we're going to accomplish things spiritually, right? Well, example, the Sermons 2.0 app challenge, right? So in a sense, is that kind of a new, new Year's resolution? Maybe. It's more of a challenge, but same concept. So what he's going to do, though, he's, I think he's going to do this as a test to see how did you really do in 2023? In 2023, did you really accomplish anything spiritually? 
Now, pastors and churches, Christianity loves test. Here's the test to know, do you truly love God? Here's the test to know, are you committing idolatry? Here is the test to know, do you love your neighbor as yourself? Here's the test to know if you're really pursuing God. Here's the test to know if you really treasure God's word. Here's the test to know if you've really hid God's word in your heart. Here's the test to know if, you've tr- if you're truly studying to show yourself approved. Here, and we love tests. We love tests. Because I think it's inevitable that we love them because one, it's easy to preach. (laughs) Two, we've talked about this in our series on law and gospel. We're very law-based individuals. We like this idea of I've got to prove it. So let's see which test he gives. You can determine whether you like the test idea, don't like the test idea. But I guess he wants us to be able to determine. It seems the direction he's going. Hey, in 2023, did you really pursue God? Here are the tests. Let's find out what they were. About ways that we can determine whether or not we are pursuing God in a way that is biblical and in a way that shows forth evidence of what God has done in our lives. And we're going to jump in tonight in 1 Corinthians 3. You know, as I've been reading my Bible, I've kind of been all over the place recently and just jumping around from book of the Bible to book of the Bible, just uh, following little uh, rabbit trails and things. Um, I don't know if you read your Bible like that, but recently that's been the way I've been doing it. And uh, it's been interesting. I've read a lot in the Gospels and uh, discovering how the disciples, uh, and you can read about them all in all of the Gospels, about how they were called into uh, ministry and didn't even really realize what they were getting into. At least we're not given the context that they knew anything. You know, you read in Matthew 4, and I think four of the disciples are called to uh, pursue or to follow Jesus in a discipleship sort of role. And he just walks up to um, uh, Andrew and Simon Peter, and they're out there fishing. And as far as I, we know, they were close enough to shore to hear him, because that, that's all we're allowed to know. And he just says, follow me. And they're like, okay. And so they just abandon their, their nets, and they just pursue after Jesus. Um, and then you look at the, the same chapter there in Matthew 4, where um, you have James and John, and they're mending their nets, also fishermen. And uh, the stories continue, and they're, they're men, uh, the 12 disciples that are all, at some point, approached by Jesus and said, follow me. And they dropped everything to follow him. What's interesting to me as I reflect on those men and the call that they, that they heard was it initially started off as a, as a call to follow a man. For each of the disciples, Jesus was simply a man. But he walked up, and he said, follow me. And there was something about him, and of course, you know, we, we know from the scriptures in Isaiah that, uh, that there, was, there was nothing that we should desire about him. He was, he was not especially good looking or, um, you know, any of those sorts of things. But there was something about Jesus that these men, 12 men, young men, dropped everything. Everything about their livelihood, everything regarding their futures, and they said, I'm going to follow him. And what's incredible to me is for three and a half years, they followed a man. And for none of the, and it's interesting, we read the, we read the Gospels with the full clarity of, of the written word. And we see what... That's an interesting concept. Did they fall in for three and a half years just seeing him as a man? Now, I don't know, we would have to look, work on a, a chronological order of events... I don't know how far this is into the three and a half years. 
I don't know how far this is into the three and a half years. Let me see if I can find it. Um, all right, uh, Matthew chapter 16, verse 13. When Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples saying, who do men say that I, the son of man, am? And they say, some say thou art John the Baptist, some Elias, and others, Jeremiah, are one of the prophets. He saith unto him, but whom say ye that I am? And Simon Peter said, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. That seems that Peter, at least at that moment, recognizes Jesus is more than just a man. Then you got the Mount of Transfiguration. So I don't know. Like, did they, did these men, oh, now, now, and he said all of them forsook everything. Judas obviously didn't really forsake everything, maybe, maybe to some level, but seems like he was kind of still hedging his bets a little bit, right? So uh, we could talk about that. But I don't know if they, I don't know if it would be a theologically accurate to say for three and a half years, they followed a man. I think at some point, they begin to realize Jesus may be more than a man. I think at some point, they at least recognize maybe Messiah, some form of deity, the Son of God. I think they start recognizing something. They start recognizing he speaks with authority. He does miracles that nobody else can do. I I think, I don't know. I don't know if it's accurate to say that. I don't know if that's you. You can tell me. You can tell me your thoughts there. I. I, I don't know. I don't know. I, I. I kind of understand what he's saying, but I just don't know theologically if that works because there's some events that happen before those three and a half years is up, right? I mean, at least I feel that there were. Jesus accomplished in those three and a half years, but for the disciples, it was always just a man they were following. And it wasn't until Jesus died on the cross that they real and, and came back that they realized this truly was the Christ. So I don't know. They didn't realize that it was the Christ until his resurrection. Again, let me read that again. Okay, who do men say that I am? Simon Peter said, Thou art the Christ the son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said unto him, blessed art thou Simon Barjona for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my father, which is in heaven. Jesus acknowledges that what he says is true and that it was revealed to him by the father. So Peter, it had been revealed to Peter by God, the father, that Christ was the son of the living God. John, uh, well, John the Baptist wouldn't be a disciple, but John the Baptist seemed to have some understanding, right? Now there was a time of doubt. I think the disciples would have had, I just don't know if they were like, for three and a half years, they were just following a man. Then after he came back, then they realized it was the Christ. I don't, I think maybe they had some understanding, maybe some doubt. Maybe the death caused them to really doubt. I think that's okay. I, I just, um... I don't know about that. I don't know about that. I don't know. Where 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 do you fall in? Where I mean, I would love to get your thoughts. So I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. That, that, this is raising a, a raising raising a very good theological question. But let's see what he so let's, let's see what he's gonna do with this. Like he's bringing this up. I just don't know what like the the goal here is to give us three tests to see if we're pursuing God. So but now he's brought up this issue that the disciples for three and a half years was pursuing a man. Now, how is that going to translate that that the effort they put into pursuing a man is the test 
to see if we're truly pursuing God. And if they were to do that much to pursue simply a man, we should do above and beyond what they did. Now, if you're going to make some kind of argument like that, then you're telling everyone that the only way to know if you're really pursuing God is you have to forsake everything and follow him. And nobody's going to be doing that. So I I don't know. Is that the direction it's going to go? I don't know. I'm trying to predict and it's better just to listen. This truly was the Messiah. And it was not until the fulfillment of the promises that they realized that they had been following God all along. And I want to start off here in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Those that were on the Mount of Transfiguration, they had to know, right? Are you telling me they came came out of the Mount of Transfiguration, those who witnessed it and just said, "Uh, you know, Jesus is just a man. They they literally saw him transfigured and and there was a voice from heaven, right? I mean, I'm not so sure about it. And I know they would have had it told the others, right? I mean, I I don't know. I mean, I'd have to go read those texts. I don't think Jesus told him not to tell. But but if he told him not to tell anyone else, I don't think that would apply to not telling the other disciples. I don't know here. Having a little hard time. A little hard time. But, all right, let's continue. Understanding this natural progression that happens in the life of a Christian. The natural progression is that we start often, many of us, and and if you reflected on your life and and the way that you have pursued God, the the natural reality is that you started off following a man. Not Jesus. Jesus isn't here walking around. But you probably started off by following a spiritual leader, man or woman. You followed a human pursuing God. And at some point, as you grow, you come to a discovery that you're actually pursuing God the whole time. Oh, boy. Okay. I don't know about that. Do do you feel like in your spiritual life that for a while you were pursuing a man? You were pursuing a spiritual... That definitely was not my case. Definitely not. (laughs) Definitely not. By no way, no way, no way, no way. I was not pursuing anyone. In fact, I started... I was the one questioning everyone, so I wasn't pursuing anyone. I don't know. Did did your Christian life begin by you following or pursuing a man? And then ultimately you realize you were pursuing God. Those are some big claims here that I'm not so sure about. 1 Corinthians chapter 3 sets the difference for us. Starting in verse 1. And I, brethren, could not speak unto you as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal, even as unto babes in Christ. That word carnal there means fleshly or worldly. It's meant to be... Uh, it's meant to be a sarcastic way of saying things, like, this thing does not exist. There's no such thing as a carnal Christian. It's supposed to be a play on words. I have fed you with milk. Whoa. Whoa, 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 whoa. So he is claiming that this is supposed to be said in a sarcastic way. And brethren, I could not speak unto you as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal, even as unto babes in Christ. Because I, I couldn't speak to you because... Be, wait, wait, wait. Okay, I'm trying to understand this. I'm trying to... Okay, let me think this through. Let me think this through. I know I've got to do this in real time. I'm trying to think this through. So he is saying, I couldn't speak to you... 
I'm going to read this from a couple of translations. So he's saying that he's saying this sarcastically because there's no such thing as carnal Christians. There's no such thing as a carnal Christian. I'm going to read this from a different translation. Okay. I know that's a common teaching. I, man, I have one of my books from one of the schools I graduated from. I had to write a paper that was a long time ago on the fact that there were no carnal Christians. I don't think we use this argument. So let me read this again. For my part, brothers and sisters, I was not able to speak to you as spiritual, but as people of the flesh, as babes in Christ. Now, there, he's saying... He's saying that what Paul is saying, hey, hey, I had to speak to you this way. I mean, I know you're not really that way you know, because you're, I say that doesn't even make any sense. What is he saying? Like, I, I spoke to you this way, but it's, I'm being sarcastic because we know that you're not really that way because there's really no carnal Christians. I mean, you're kind of acting like a carnal Christian, but you can't really be a carnal Christian because there aren't car- carnal Christians. Why would you make it... How would you use, like, I'm trying to, I'm trying to, con, I'm trying to figure out how I would use that. Cause I love sarcasm. I love sarcasm. I use sarcasm all the time. So if I was speaking to them, how would I use this in a sarcastic way with the whole idea that these things don't exist? I'm trying to think how that would work. Hey, whoa, guys, guys. Yeah, I couldn't even speak to you because, you know, you're acting like carnal Christians. But I mean, but of course, you're not really acting that way because there's no, there's no such thing. So he's using something that doesn't exist. Is he trying to do this to shock them? Hey, you're acting like carnal Christians and they're supposed to say, come on, Paul, stop messing with this. There's no such thing. I'm going to, and I, brethren, could not speak unto you as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal, carnal, even as unto babes in Christ. I have fed you with milk, not with meat, for hitherto you are not able to bear it, neither now are you able. So, so I'm assuming babes in Christ, so spiritual is a real thing. Babes in Christ is a real thing. Spirit, so milk I don't, I, I don't understand how that works. All right, let, let's see if he tries to articulate. I'm, I'm a little confused. It, hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm trying, look, I'm trying to give this due diligence. I'm not trying to just put, I'm trying to set aside my thinking and trying to really embrace this. How would I read this? Hey, when I read this to a church, Paul here, listen, guys, he's just being sarcastic. There is no such thing as carnal Christians. So when you read that, read it as if the carnal Christians don't actually exist. This is just sarcasm. All right. Now, then if I'm going to say that, I have to now articulate or explain the sarcasm. Since he said they don't exist, then I am 1000% sure he's going to explain to us how this was sarcastic. Milk and not with meat, for hitherto you were not able to bear it, neither yet now are ye able. For ye are yet carnal. For whereas there is among you envying and strife and divisions, are ye not carnal and walk as men? It... Wait, there's no carnal Christians Yet Paul literally refers to them as carnal in verse 3. 
literally, not just once, but twice. Now, what he's saying is, no, Paul's just being sarcastic. Hey, are you not carnal? Of course we're not carnal, Paul. We're not carnal because there's no such thing. Like, what? Well, what would be, I, I don't know, is the, what's the, what's the idea here to insult these people as being carnal? They're like, Paul, obviously we can't be that because it's not a real thing. If it's not a real thing, then what is Paul doing? Is he simply insulting them about being a way that they can't actually be? Paul, because then the response to them, to the sarcasm would be like, that's funny, Paul. Of course we're not carnal Christians. There's no such thing. We can't be carnal. What are you saying? For while one saith, I am of Paul, and another, I am of Apollos, are ye not carnal? Who then is Paul, and who is Apollos, but ministers by whom ye believed, even as the Lord gave to every man? We see here in the early church, here in in Corinth, the, the, the people were separating themselves based on who they were following, which is a natural thing for an immature Christian to do. I follow this man, and I'm part of this person's crowd, and I'm part of this denomination, I'm part of this group of thinking, and this way of going, and this is my church, and these are the people that I follow, and I only listen or read this person or follow this person, and these are the only sermons that I listen to. And these were, this was a very common thing that even the church of Corinth, even in the first generation of Christians, was was following. And we see this all throughout uh, our world today. Keep reading. Verse 6, I have planted, Apollos watered, but God... Gave the increase. So then neither is he that planteth anything, neither he that watereth, but God that giveth the increase. Now he that planteth and he that watereth are one, and every man shall receive his own reward according to his own labors. For we are laborers together with God. Ye are God's husbandry, ye are God's building. According to the grace of God which is given unto me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation, and another buildeth thereon. But let every man take heed how he buildeth thereupon. Verse 11. For other foundation can no man lay than that is laid, which is Christ Jesus. Now, first of all, I'm kind of fascinated that a sermon about pursuing God goes to 1 Corinthians 3. That's just probably what in the text I would, I would run to. Second, I'm 100% baffled here that he said, hey, there's no carnal Christians. He's just being sarcastic. He's got to circle back and explain what he means by that because he, he kept reading and it kept saying, you're carnal. Are you not carnal? Are you not carnal? Are you? He even acknowledged that they were having a problem. They were being immature. He even acknowledged. So the, the, the problems there were real. There was a real issue, but they're not carnal Christians because carnal Christians don't exist. So Paul is like saying, you've got all of these problems like your carnal Christians, but if he's being sarcastic, then what does it mean? Hey, 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 you guys are acting like carnal Christians. Now, obviously I'm joking because there's no such thing. Is he saying you're acting like something that doesn't exist? Hey guys, you're acting like carnal Christians. And they would be like, we can't be acting like carnal Christians. They don't exist. So then are they supposed to say, oh, okay, so... We, we, need to, we need to start doing better. Well, you can't act like something that doesn't exist. I, 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 is it just supposed to be an insult, like a sarcastic insult? Is that what it's supposed to be? And where, where does Paul, where at what point does Paul tell them that, it, that he's just being sarcastic and he's joking around? I don't. Um, maybe that's what he's trying to, I, I'm trying to understand it. But it, look, it's not up to me. He's the one who said they don't exist. So this, he's the one who said it in a sermon. He's going to have to explain that. So 
Well, that, that's what I'm waiting for. I'm waiting for the big reveal here. The big reveal. Here it comes. He's going to explain how Paul is using sarcasm here. We find here some marks of immaturity. The envying, the emulations, the strife. And with carnal Christians, we, we find that. And maybe you've been a part of a group before that uh, had a lot of that. And the... Wait, he just said with carnal Christians. Did I mishear him earlier? Did, did I miss something? I thought he said they don't exist, that Paul's being sarcastic. And he just said with carnal Christians, you sometimes see this. All right, I'm, 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 I'm okay. I must have missed something. I must have missed something completely. If if you know, if you're listening to me on Spreaker, if you know what I missed, please jump into the chat right now. I'm begging you and tell me what I missed because I'm a little confused here because I thought he clearly said there isn't, that Paul's being sarcastic because there's no such thing. And he just referred to carnal Christians. The frustration of being a part of a group that's so focused on, uh, on just backbiting and gossiping and all those sorts of things. And, and Paul calls it out here for what it is. And this fixation of being a follower of man. And by the way, a man that may be good. I have nothing bad to say about Paul. I have nothing bad to say about Apollos. And uh, these men were both men who represented God. And, and maybe the person that you are following is somebody who is godly. And praise the Lord for, for strong leaders and for people who can stand up and set forth a good example of what it is that we should be doing and following and pursuing in the ways that we should go. And we praise the Lord for people who have gone on before us and, and showed us by example and by their lifestyle the right way that we should go. But the natural progression for every Christian is that one day, after having followed someone, you wake up and realize that all along, the actual person that I've been following and pursuing was never this person. It was Jesus. And so our first question, by way of determining whether or not we have grown in 2023, who are you following? Who are you following? You know, a godly leader gets his joy from those who follow God. Okay, I'm baffled here. I don't think he's going to offer any explanation. I'm looking around. I need a pencil here. Where's my pencils? Oh, here's, here's one. Okay, hang on. I'm, I'm, I'm just so baffled here and confused by this right now. All right, I'm sorry. I'm trying to grab my pencil that had fallen on the floor. Where's my notepad? Okay, here we go. I'm just, I'm, I'm going to just write this down. Carnal Christians, we're going to have to come back to this in 2024. Obviously, we're, we're, we're going to be, I am baffled. He's just moving right along. So it made I, now, if you listen to this, I, I, I need, again, I'm still waiting for someone to come into Spreaker to help me. So if you're listening, please jump on the Spreaker app really quick and help me out. Somebody, did I, did I completely just, did I misinterpret that? 
He made it very clear that Paul was being sarcastic because there's no such thing as carnal Christians. Then he literally talked about carnal Christians. And then somehow in between those two (laughs) contradictory concepts, or at least sounds like contradictory things, he then immediately just goes right along as if nothing has happened. You talk about cognitive dissonance. Okay, I'm a little confused here. I, we'll just give it a little bit more time. Obviously, we're not going to even get to, I guess the first way to know if you're following God is who are you following? Who are you following? Or if you're pursuing God, who are you following? Who are you following? All right? I, you would think, how do you know if you're pursuing God? Wouldn't it be, are you carnal? What ways does your life reflect carnality. Wouldn't that be the first point from this? And then it offers some ways in which carnality is manifest. Carnality is manifest that you cannot be fed um, meat. You can only be fed milk because you're carnal. You're a babe in Christ. So your, your ability to digest spiritual things will demonstrate your spirituality. Um, if there's envy and strife in your life, that's a sign of carnality. Like that, they, these would be signs of carnality, not sign of pursuing God. So how do you know if you're pursuing God? Are you carnal? Here are the signs of carnality. Wouldn't that be the way to exegete this text? But he's skipping the carnality and he's just simply going, how do you know you're pursuing God? Who are you following? But he's even acknowledged that you could literally be following a man, but actually be following God. But, but all right. A membership that is tied into Jesus, not a building, not a person, not a group of people, not a group of friends and relatives who all come together, but is tied directly into Jesus. First, uh, Third John verse 4 says, I, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. Oh, thank you so very much. Someone finally came in and told me something. Okay, because w- I'm sitting here literally thinking, did I have a seizure? Did I black out? Did I... Did I miss something? Okay, yeah, so that's, that's, yeah. So someone heard the same thing I heard. Okay, thank you, thank you. I really appreciate that because I was sitting here going, what did I miss? What, did I get hit in the head? Did I, did I fall through a time portal? Like what just happened? Literally, Paul's being sarcastic here. There's no such thing. And then he literally refers to carnal Christians. And then now we're off to... How do you know you're pursuing God? Because you have to determine who you're following. But it's not the te- if you're going to use this text about pursuing God, then the issue would be: you're, Are you a carnal Christian? If you're not a carnal Christian, then the argument would be he would be imposing it upon the text. But the argument would be you're not pursuing God, even though the text is not here anything about pursuing God. But if you're a carnal Christian, then then obviously you can make an argument that you wouldn't be pursuing God. And so how? So then we need to determine the signs of carnality and the signs of carnality as outlined in verse one, and verse two, and verse three, and verse four. Yeah, one, two, three, and four are the are uh, as about being carnal. <laughs> I don't understand. All right, let's see. Let's see. Maybe he's going to talk about the carnality here in a second. A godly leader pushes people to others, and my hope and my prayer is that in 2023, if not before, many of you have been Christians for much longer than I've been alive. But if you're new to Christianity and, and you've 
experience the Christianity that is marked by the carnality and it's marked by the fleshliness, the worldliness, and you're coming out of some of these sorts of things and you're discovering the path forward. My prayer, my hope, is that you've learned to build your relationship with Jesus. If you're coming out of a Christianity that's marked by carnality, so there is a carnal Christianity. But he literally said it doesn't exist, that Paul is being sarcastic, but he didn't explain the sarcasm. Oh, my head hurts. My head hurts. Oh, my head hurts so bad. Okay. All right. Who are you following? Once you've matured into pursuing God, right? Step one. Instead of just a man who represents him, there is a new measure to your growth. And I've got two passages. Turn with me to James. James chapter 3. Starting in verse 14. James chapter 3 and verse 14. But if ye have bitter envying and strife in your hearts, glory not, and lie not against the truth. This wisdom descendeth not from above, but is earthly, sensual, devilish. For where envying and strife is, there is confusion and every evil work. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure and peaceable, gentle, and easy to be entreated, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. And the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace of them that make peace. Turn with me to Galatians chapter 5, another passage you're familiar with. Starting in verse 13, the Bible says, For brethren, ye have been called unto liberty. Only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh, but by love serve one another. For all the laws fulfilled in one word, even in this, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. But if ye bite and devour one another, take heed that ye be not consumed one of another. This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. You know, I love that verse. You notice that the, the emphasis in that verse is not to abstain from walking in the flesh. It doesn't say, uh, you know, be a good Christian, don't walk in the flesh by following the Spirit. It says, walk in the Spirit and ye shall not fulfill the lust of flesh. Isn't that awesome? The emphasis is always on our pursuit of God. <laughs> There's nothing awesome about that verse, but okay. I don't find anything awesome about that verse because no one's been able to ever explain it. So you're telling me if I walk up to the Spirit, then I will not never commit another sin? So you're saying sinless perfection is possible. No, I'll say, well, no, 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 no. Sinless perfection is not possible, but if you walk in the flesh, you will, you will commit less sin. Well, that's not what it says. It says walk in the flesh and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Seemingly to be dogmatic and assert, like I, but okay. I still don't understand the whole, I'm so confused. I'm so confused. I'm so confused. Okay. He's got to come back to the carnal part in 1 Corinthians 3, right? He's got to. It's always on the followship of God. And when we follow God, the rest of those pieces of the puzzle take care of themselves. Keep reading with me. Verse 17, For the flesh lusteth against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary the one to another, so that ye cannot do the things that ye would. 
But if ye be led of the Spirit, ye are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envies, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like. Of the which I tell you before, as I have also told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance, Against such there is no law. For they that are in Christ, that, for they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Let us not be desirous of vainglory, provoking one another and envying one another. And we find here as we progress in our maturing out of pursuing a man and we discover that we've been pursuing God all along, there's a natural progression. And this natural progression results in the byproduct which is the fruit of the Spirit. We develop the fruit of the Spirit, we develop fruit in our lives as we follow Christ. And by the way, it is a byproduct. Sometimes we uh, get this idea that we're supposed to set out to produce the fruit of the Spirit in our own lives, and we, we forget that it's the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit. The Spirit is the one who produces it in us, not the other way around. And sometimes it's Okay, I'm, I'm going to stop there. Um, I, I, don't, I don't know. I, I, I am a little, I'm a little perplexed. I'm a little, the text is 1 Corinthians 3. It's about pursuing God. He's going to give text, but he's not exegeting. I, I don't, I don't get it. The whole point of 1 Corinthians 3 is that you guys are carnal. You guys are carnal. And here's, here's the proof of your carnality. Are you not carnal? Don't you do this? You're carnal. Don't you do this? You're carnal. Don't you do this? You're carnal. You have carnality. That's the problem. But if it doesn't exist, then I don't understand Paul's point. Hey, guys, you're acting like something that doesn't exist. Okay, well, it doesn't exist. So, all right, we, I'll try not to act like something that doesn't exist. It, so you can act like something that doesn't exist. Well, then, okay, I can't be the thing that doesn't exist. So even if I'm acting like something that doesn't exist, I can't be that. So then what am I? I'm, I'm the opposite of being carnal. Okay. Well, if you can't be a carnal Christian, no matter how carnal one acts, then I, I don't know what that means. Hey, you're acting like carnal Christians. I mean, there's no such thing. I don't get it. But then there are carnal Christians. All right. You can go listen to the rest of that. I'm going to I'm going to definitely uh there's like 30 minutes of it left. It is called Three Ways to Know You're Pursuing God from Grandview Baptist Church. Um it's been downloaded now 5 times, so that's good. Um I don't know if it's because of your listening, but go listen and uh look keep a uh, keep track of it and uh you tell me what what you think. If you tell me does he does he resolve the carnal issue? Does he not resolve the carnal issue? And what are the other two ways? The first way is, who are you following? So you can follow a man, but at some point you'll realize you're following God. But I guess what he's really saying is you, you need to be following God. So I guess the first way to know you're pursuing God is the, the first test 
to know if you're pursuing God is that you're following God. But if you're following God, is that not pursuing God? So how can the first test be, the first test that I'm following God is that I'm pursuing God. I, I, I'm not, I'm not. I, so the first test is to make, the first test to know that I'm pursuing God is to make sure that I'm pursuing God. Definitely need more listening to better understand what's being said here. I, I just for me, I'm he. The, 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 what we're going to take from this is raising the theological debate. Now, the theological debate has raged for a long time. I went to schools that said there are no carnal Christians. I went to schools that said there are carnal Christians. Right. So I went to t- schools that had t- completely different views. Others, I don't even know, I don't remember what they may have done because I went to so many different, pursued education in so many different places. Um, but at least there was at least a clear divide between the schools that said there were and between schools that said there weren't. Now, the one that says there, there weren't carnal Christians, to me, it was so convoluted and trying to make the argument that Paul is saying there's no carnal Christian, that there, that, that literally the argument is 1 Corinthians 3, which seems to say there's carnal Christians, is not really saying what it obviously seems to be saying. You just have to know how to read it. And then, and so I will, I, I have it, it's in my closet downstairs. I saw it just the other day. I think it's laying there on the floor in the closet. Um, it's a commentary in 1 Corinthians, and it was a, a textbook from one of the schools. And I think there's an appendix in, in it, in, in, in the book. That's all about there's no carnal Christians. So I'll pull that out and we'll do maybe we'll turn it into a mini series or something. We'll, 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 we'll do something with it. But there you have it. So please go download that sermon. Listen to the rest of it. And uh, I would love to get your feedback. Newsif at yahoo.com. Newsif at yahoo.com. To the listener who jumped in and told me that I wasn't going crazy. Thank you because I really was confused. I really was confused, but whether I, 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 I'm, I'm not, I'm not interested really to know what they think or don't think. I, I'm not even worried about that. Remember these sermons, they serve as, it's not about critiquing a sermon. It's about like, oh, they gave us something, right? Whether we agree or disagree, it's irrelevant. It's not here to criticize. It's not, it's like, okay, you gave me that. Okay. I don't really understand. Fine. Now we're going to take it. Now we can run with it. Now we can do our own thing, Right. So there we go. We, 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 we only reviewed, I don't know how much of it. The total runtime of the sermon is 46 minutes. Looks like we have maybe 30 something minutes left. So, you know, we only, we, 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 I don't know, we reviewed a few minutes of it. Not, not a lot of it, but um, hopefully that will give you something to think about and meditate on, on this Saturday evening. All right. I needed, I wanted to be done at 9 p.m. because I wanted to start at 8 p.m. I started about 8.15. I'm ending about 9.16. All right. So I didn't gain any of the time that I was trying to gain, but that's okay. All right. Thank you for listening. I don't know what to say, but hey, it's January the 6th. We're six days into our challenge. Let's keep listening to random sermons and let's keep learning and being challenged because every sermon gives us the opportunity. You see, just we didn't even make it that far and we already have been handed on a silver platter. It's like, here you go. Here's this little logical issue. Boom. Now, I can just ignore it or I can take it, say, thank you so very much, sir. 
and then I take it. I'm like, I'm going to go run with it. And then we can study and pursue this concept and see what we can learn from it, right? So you can get, like I'm telling you, the Sermons 2.0 app, even, even if you listen to something and you're not so sure about, it basically serves as a seminary education. If you're willing to take it and say, hmm, I'm going to work on this. I'm going to do something with it. And if you'll do the research and spend the time, you're going to learn something. All right. So there you have it. Email me newsif at yahoo.com. That's newsif at yahoo.com. Newsif at yahoo.com. Everyone have a great night. Go listen to that sermon right now. Go, go, go download it. Go download it. Three ways to know you're pursuing God. Grandview Baptist Church. Go download it right now. I want that thing to have a hundred downloads in the next 15 minutes. All right. Go download it. All right. Thanks for listening. God bless.